Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. My name is Steve Campbell. For those of you who don't know me, I'm saying that because I look around and I don't know lots of you, but that's good. Um, I wasn't here this morning. I was my wife. We were at a service this morning in the center of town as the mayor's chaplain this year. that has been going on for 450 years. So we celebrated 40 years at C3. Um, it was a long service, yeah. It's been going on, not the same service. For the last 450 years, every year, they have a service. And it was very different to being here. I just want to say I love my church. But there we go. Um, Mark Ritchie. Now, Mark and I haven't rehearsed this. We had a little conversation this afternoon. You, Any of you were out this morning, you hear, heard Mark. Uh, and I just want to say first, before we go into the interview, how much we appreciate you, Mark, and the gift that you are to the church. I want to talk in a minute about evangelists and, and uh, evangelism. Um, but we believe, you know, you, you saw there on the, on the little VT about the community work we do. We, we think we should do good to all men, all people, without strings attached. But we also believe it's very important to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and to do both. So good works and to announce the gospel. And this man here is a gift to the church because he is an evangelist that proclaims the good news. I think it was Francis of Assisi who said, you know, if you have to, when you're preaching, use words, which we understand what he meant, but you do need to use words. People, how will they hear without a preacher? And Mark is a proclamatory, this is my description, evangelist, and we're blessed to have him. So come on, give him a round of applause. And then <clears throat> let me ask this question, Mark. Um, question mark, funny way to say it, isn't it? Oh, by the way, there will be opportunity for you to ask questions in a few minutes, so get ready. Oh, All right, get be ready. Be gentle. Be gentle. Do not ask anything that will lead me to a bad place. That's what I want to say. What is an evangelist? Ah, great question. Um, I think an evangelist is someone who has heard the good news and takes that good news and tells others and goes and just proclaims it and is basically someone who is like met Jesus and then goes off and tells people, I've just met someone who's changed my life. So it doesn't mean like someone who preaches. It means someone who tells people in the bus stop or in the chip shop or wherever, wherever, just like, oh, I've just met someone that's changed my life. So that's kind of what I think an evangelist is. I've discovered this in life. None of us really understand other people's jobs. You always think, what are they doing with all their time? So... What are you doing with all your time as an evangelist? Wow. All-time evangelist, what do you do? A lot of daytime telly, yeah? Just <laughs> sitting, sitting watching, um, filling Holly, skipping the queue, just stuff like that, you know. Uh, no, no, no. So what I do is um, I uh, go around traveling across, like, the UK and also across the world, and um, so I do a lot of communicating through missions, through shows. So I do like an evangelistic one-man show. Right. I go and do comedy festivals. I was in a pub last night doing stuff. So I take the message to lots of other places. And then I do evangelism courses. So like I help and motivate the church, teaching the church how to become a more evangelistic. And then also like I just kind of go out and preach and 
do that. And so writing stuff and all that. And that accent that you've got is from Scotland. 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 Yeah. Edinburgh. I'm from Edinburgh. Yes. Yeah, there's another one in the room. Yeah, we always go around in twos. Yeah. In case it kicks off. (laughs) (laughs) Look at us to imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Looking at these two guys from Scotland, I think we're safe. All right. Um, But you were recently at the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm sure many of you have heard of the Edinburgh Fringe which is an area maybe some... And you sent us a postcard, so it's one of the only postcards we've got this year. Wow. Um, but from the fringe, in your card, which is a lovely card, he said, this is a dark place. So tell us what you mean by saying that was a dark place. And what do you do at the fringe? So um, I do a one-man show. It was called Mark Ritchie, Too Close for Comfort. And so there's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and then I bring the message about God sending Jesus, dying on the cross, all of that. Um, I found it dark this year because um, in speaking to quite a few of the performers at the Fringe, in seeing a few of the different shows, there was just a real sort of sinister darkness about some of the things that they were laughing about. There's a lot of jokes about like being paedophiles and all this kind of stuff. There's a whole, um, I only saw one show and it did a whole routine about Jesus on the cross and just absolutely mocking it and bringing it really down to, and just a, a sort of heavy darkness that was, was there in the festival. And I really felt like God asked me to go and to bring some light, the light of Jesus into that dark okay. space. Yeah. Fantastic. Why would anyone bother to do 15 minutes of laughing at the cross and Jesus? Well, I know. I mean, this is what I'd love to ask the question. You know, if like Jesus is completely irrelevant and Jesus doesn't exist and Christianity is just a figment of all our imaginations, why are they still going on about it? Why are they still doing humor about it? Why are they still trying to tear it down? If this is just something that's all just made up in our minds, the reason why they want to tear it down is because this stuff is real and that Jesus is real and that, you know, the gospel is true and people want to rip it down because it really challenges every part of them. Because if this stuff is real, then they need to get right before God, before they meet God. So, yeah, that's why I think they do it. And do you think it's okay that they, in that kind of context, that they are allowed to do that, that we can have that kind of language used, those kind of jokes as well? Well, this is controversial. Are we allowed to be controversial for a minute? Yeah, I just want to remind you, in fact, I should have said this at the beginning, this is the first time we've actually broadcast our lives. (laughs) This is going to be less controversial. No, no, you can be as controversial (laughs) as you like, but just remember the three million that are watching. (laughs) This is going to be less controversial than it was two minutes ago. Let's just say that. I just thought I'd warn you. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Thanks for being my friend. Yeah, say whatever you want, but you're nothing to do with us. Yeah, good. Um, No, so this this is just an interesting thing for us to think about, right? Um, You might know the surname of this guy, but a guy got um, cancelled this year at the Fringe called Jerry Sazovich, yeah. 
Um, basically, um, he got cancelled. The reason they said he cancelled them is because he was like saying horrendous things. Now, all over like his show, it was saying stuff like, this is an offensive show. Do not come into this if you're easily offended. You know, he put posters absolutely everywhere saying, please do not come to this if, if this is going to upset you and stuff like that. But then, first question is, if somebody tells everybody it's going to be super offensive, does that then mean that they can say whatever they want because they've kind of warned people that it's going to be offensive. So that's the first thing to think about. The second thing to think about is, you know, lots of complaints after the show and the Fringe decided to cancel him. Now, at first hearing of that, you're, you can be as a Christian, yes, yes, we don't want that kind of language. We don't want that kind of horrendous viewpoint getting spread around. But I've got a bit of a wider thought, and that is that if we start like supporting like you know the cancel culture, is that going to lead eventually one day to them coming to cancel us? And that actually they're going to say, well, Mark, your message of the cross is horrendous and is offensive to different communities, so therefore we're going to cancel yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. So it's a really wide question, isn't it, that, yeah, yeah. that I'm trying to grapple with and understand what I think. Great thought. Okay, I'm going to hand it over to you. If I don't do this now, then we'll carry on talking up here for the rest of the evening. Um, you're not going to shout the answers out. I think you can go on Facebook there or on Instagram. Maybe you want to just talk to the person next to you. There's some nice music in the background is going to play. You've got two or three minutes, and then you can Instagram them or you can Facebook them, and they're going to be sent to me here, and I will answer. So these are your questions that are coming in. So you've got two minutes Talk to your people next to you. Say, what question would you like to ask Mark Ritchie? Can't guarantee we'll get through them all, but we'll do our best. Okay, two minutes starting from now. coming in here so keep them coming another minute or so I've got some already Mark doesn't know these I'm not telling him you can ask what you like but it doesn't mean I'm going to read them out
Okay, you can still keep them coming in, but we're going to start with some of the ones that have come here. Wow. What's the most difficult thing you've had to deal with as an international speaker? Oh, wow. That is a really good question. Let's just have a little think about that. Um, this question, maybe that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, had, I've had some tricky ones. One time I was in Croydon. This is absolutely true. And it was a massive youth event, and there was about 800 young people in the event. And um, basically, um, a gang of young people turned up and were looking for another guy that was in the crowd. And I was preaching, and basically... This gang of lads came looking for him. They found him, ah. and they, it was a massive brawl started to fight, a big fight, while I was preaching at the front. But what happened is, I mean, it was when I was a lot younger. I don't feel like I would do this now. I think what I'd do now is I would just go and get a cup of tea and wait and see what <laughs> happens, let the police sort it out. But I got a real fire in my belly. And I grabbed the microphone and I really just started to really preach and absolutely go for it. And all these young people stopped fighting. And there was like this like moment where I had the whole crowd and I was really going for it. And I decided to talk about like the cross and Jesus wow. and just absolutely go for it. And it stopped the room for a couple of moments. And basically I went for it and I did a response and everything. Um, unfortunately, the fight still continued, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty. Did they get him? Yeah, yeah, they, well, they, they got, got him, him. yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's good then. Okay. Um, wow. There's a, there's a, <laughs> when you say, did they get him? Did you mean the gang get him or the, the police get him? The one they came for, looking yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, so it's good that they got him, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want them to be disappointed. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Um, good. Well, they got him, so that's good, isn't it? <laughs> I, I was taking a service once. This is when I was a singer-songwriter. I was a rock star, whether you know. But, is that true? Yeah, and I was singing, and these kids were really kicking off. And the evangelist who got up behind us, he went to them. They were all messing about in the front row. And he says, in the name of Jesus, I cast out this demon of disruption. Oh, wow. The whole room went quiet. And then a lad shouted out, has he gone? <laughs> So that was the end of that, anyway. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, right, some more questions coming in. Uh, oh, what's been the best heckle you've ever had? Oh, I have, I have had a few. I have had a few that have been, like, really, really funny. A guy shouted out right in the mid middle of my, like, show, and I was trying to be funny. This guy shouted from the back, have you wet your pants? Like that. And I... The first thing you do is look, don't you? You're like, have I? Do you know what I mean? You immediately go, have I? <laughs> oh, no, 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 I haven't. It was a weird moment. And then the show just continued. So that was a pretty weird echo. You shouted out, have you wet your pants? Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask, had you? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't. No, Everything no, okay. was good, yeah. Um, asking because you do comedy, do you think God has a sense of humor? Any examples? Don't say me. <laughs> that yeah, is exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, I know. God's creativity. <laughs> God has created many funny-looking things. 
<laughs> this is the last time, Mark Richard. <laughs> You'll never see me again. Yeah. Um, no, this is one of the things. I'm going to quote someone now, and it's totally weird that I'm quoting him, but there is a great philosopher called Boy George, right? And he... <laughs> Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. Did you say you were a singer-songwriter? <laughs> yeah. Don't go there either. <laughs> so the thing is, I um, he said this really amazing thing. He said that um, he cannot understand the church because he says, you know, God is the most creative being who's made like the butterfly. God's made the fly, the insect, the elephant, all the beautiful things God has made. And he says, think of how creative God is. And then he pours all that creativity into like church. And you have these ministers and vicars who are the most boring people in the world. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, how can this be? It's like God has made absolutely everything wild and courageous and wonderful and, and zany and crazy. And then you see these bland people on the stage. And that really has helped me to understand God is a creative God. And, uh, you know, God wants us to laugh. God wants us to enjoy life. And I really do think that, like, God has got a sense of humor and that you know there are like loads of jokes like when Jesus talked about it's easier for a rich man to get through the um, eye of the needle that that's a, an actual joke Jesus is telling because it was so crazy about the, the the thing so I absolutely love right through the Bible that like it's just full of stories where God is full of humor and I think he loves us laughing loves us smiling yeah Lots of questions coming in here. Thank you for these. There's some great questions. We won't get through all these tonight. But um, some funny, some uh, serious. This is a serious one. How do we unite? I just thought I'd better say that in case you thought it was yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do we unite with other Christian denominations to spread the love of Christ through the differences we share within our faith in Jesus? Now, that's brilliant. I don't know who's come up with that, but that is great. Um, I think we major in on the things that we agree with, yeah? And the things that we agree with, most of us agree that um, we want to see people reach for Jesus and so that we zoom in on that. And that's why I think evangelism, doing mission together is a good thing because actually we're all after the same thing. You know, the style of how we do it, the style of the worship, the way different you know, kind of like emphasis and services, all of that we can put aside. We can all focus and concentrate on the purpose and the purpose is to see this world get rescued and get saved. So for me, mission is a real key in that, that we can actually work together in mission. And, you know, I would love to see that more and more where churches are kind of working together and saying, listen, and I'm involved in a Christmas event. There's two or 3,000 Christians all from all over the area, every single kind of church. And we put on this carol service and we see hundreds get rescued. And it's like exactly that. We're all about the same purpose and we focus in on that. Yeah. Great. Um, oh, so many. This is about your own personal disciplines and, and quiet time, I suppose we can use that. What does your season of silence look like? What does your season of silence look like? And this isn't really related, but have you ever felt betrayed or abandoned by God? And if so, how did you continue to trust him? 
Those are two, wow, great. Well, whoever said the first one, that's fantastic because you were obviously listening this morning and uh, you picked up on that. And I was talking about um, silence. Silence is something that I am just experimenting with. So you know when like you get loads of church leaders who are like, oh, I know how this totally works. I've got this nailed. I am like having a go. I am trying, but I'm finding it so rewarding. So I think I said this a little bit this morning, but my Christian tradition would be Pentecost. I'm, I love, you know, speaking in tongues. I love like loud worship and praise. That would be like my go-to. And I've just discovered this thing of silence. So how it works practically is at the moment, I've decided that every day I've put a boundary around a certain time. Now, um, I've worked with 20 minutes, so I tried 20 minutes, and that went quite well. So now I'm going to do like 30 minutes a day, and then I'm going to see how far I can go, see if I can do an hour. And I'm, I'm, I'm just working out to see exactly what it works for me. Because for some people, you know, 20 minutes of complete silence would absolutely do your head in. You would be like, oh. So the way I do it, how my discipline works, is that I go in with a phrase, so like, uh, be still and know that I am God. So I go in, I'm like, be still and know that I am God. And I'm silent, and then my head is just filled with thousands of thoughts. How, oh, I must paint the shed. Oh, you know, is my underwear drawer full? You know, you just start thinking about everything. Well, I must remember to record that on TV. And so you just keep on centering yourself. Be still and know that I am God. And then calm, be still and know that I am God and just keep on bringing it back. Don't try and fight with the thoughts. Do not try and fight the distracting thoughts. You're not gonna win that. Just let them flow through and keep centering. Be still and know that I am God. And in that silence, it is so powerful. And I have really found this to be so life-changing. Everyone I speak to would always talk about silence being like, like a kind of thing of maybe praise, a discipline. I'm actually finding silence as a weapon in the spiritual warfare. So it's like, you asked me five months ago, I would be like, if you're fighting a weapon, you would use tongues, you would pace around, screaming tongues, give it some large. And I still do some of that. But I am now finding that silence is a powerful weapon against the enemy. And it really is doing my soul the world of good. So I would really encourage you to do it. And I just take little bits at a time. Don't like say, you know, I'm going on a three-day retreat of silence. Yeah, you know, can you imagine how that's going to work out for you? You're like, after the first day, you're going to be, no! Oh! just talking to the guy at the petrol station. But the thing is, you've got to like little bits at a time and eventually you'll get to a good place with it. And then the second question there, that is a great question. Um, so some of you know my story, but I'll tell it really quick. I walked with a cross in 2012 from Brighton up to Edinburgh and then from Wrexham across to Hull. I carried a cross on my back for 700 miles. I got to Hull and that was the end. I can honestly say that Hull is the end of the earth. <laughs> and uh, I got there and basically I thought that was going to be the end of the deal. But that was only the beginning because after that mission, I went into this horrendous time, the bleakest and darkest time of my soul 
where I honestly, I was crying everywhere. I could not go anywhere without crying. And if you have got a bit of a cry coming on, get yourself to Starbucks because they give you free coffee. And uh, not in Costa, they are not interested. But in Starbucks, oh, they, they give you, it's amazing, amazing. And then um, I, I was in a bleak, bleak place and I had the, the most horrendous, negative, disruptive thoughts. And that was the place where I had to learn the discipline of speaking to my soul. And God seemed a million miles away. And God showed me a picture of a boat, of rowers in the boat, and the cocks of the boat, which is the little guy that speaks to the guys in the boat. And he's there telling them to get in. And I had to learn how to speak to my soul, speak to my thoughts, speak to my emotions, speak to my will. And I had to lead myself well. And God helped me through that. But it was so bleak and so dark. It was a tough time. And that bleakness and darkness, <clears throat> do you think that was physical, emotional, spiritual, demonic? Was there a demon attacking you? What, what do you think that darkness was? No, nah, that, that's great. These are good questions because why would that happen? But I honestly think it was none of those. I think my soul, I honestly think my soul was out of order. I think God wants us to have a soul that is in good order, that everything's in good place, that there's a good rhythm to our inner life. That is what God's best is for you. And I think that sometimes our soul gets out of order. And my emotions were like that rower standing on the boat and rocking the boat. I was just out of order. And people say, do you think it was the mission walking with a cross for 700 miles? And I say, I don't think the mission caused it. I think the mission exposed it. Right. It was there. There was a lot of disruption there. And the mission showed me, do you know what, Mark? Everything is not in good order. And I would really recommend that you try and bring order to your soul and allow yourself to have that inner rhythm that whatever happens in your outer world, the circumstances of life, if you've got that inner rhythm, you'll be able to keep in a good place. Yeah. So how do you keep that in a rhythm? I think you do a, a podcast related yeah, to this, yeah. don't you? On the back of all of this, I did a podcast called Soul Focus. And if you put it in any of your um, stuff, Soul Focus by Mark Ritchie. And uh, I got people like Christine Kane on. I got like um, a psychologist to come on. I got all these different people and I asked them all the same questions about their inner life, about what happens on the inside. And I found out some incredible truths. I found out that, you know, our souls can get so disrupted and we manage to kind of do a good act on the outside, but there's chaos on the inside. And what God's looking for is for us to get to a place of like that inner beauty and that inner rhythm, a place of equilibrium where actually you're in a good state and whatever's happening on the outside will not rock you. It will not knock you off. Off your, um, you know, off your rhythm. So that is a, a, a good thing. So every day now, to answer the question quick, is I speak over my soul, the things that David spoke over his soul. And, you know, it's all in the podcast, but every day. And one of the things that I speak over my soul every single day is, I will not be shaken. And that is not like hyped up kind of self-help stuff. That's in the Bible. I will not be 
be shaken. Not because Mark Rich is amazing, but because God is amazing. Do you know what I'm saying? And imagine you tomorrow facing your week with those words in your soul, I will not be shaken. And um, it's a great place. Great, it's great. Cutting to the clock, we've gone over time, but um, we're all right, aren't we? We're going to carry on. I'm looking for a, a, a very spontaneous response from <laughs> People you. People were like, yeah, no, I think we're done on, here. <laughs> I love the whole crowd. We're going, no, that seems about right. <laughs> There's still some more questions here that I would like, I'd like us to cover. Um, some good ones. This is a good one. Will Notts Forest get relegated this season? That's a football Whoever team. has said that, get out. Yeah, <laughs> that is the enemy speaking, and I come against it. No, my football team, Nottingham Forest, big game tomorrow, big game tomorrow. But, yeah, we're probably going to get relegated. Man City, 6-3. Yeah. Didn't want to see that result. That's Ooh. unbelievable. Anyway, more serious matters, because who cares about Notts Forest? Uh, what... What advice would you give to those who deal with trauma from the church slash Christians? Wow, that is, a, that is a really big, big, big one. And I understand. I think, I think what I would want to say is I would want you to firstly get to that place of bringing your wounds to God, bringing your hurts and your pain to God and saying, God, would you have these? Would you, would you take these from me? Um, because I feel like, you know, we can get hurt from church. We can get hurt from a ministry or it's come through some kind of Christian thing and, and we can feel pain and we can feel hurt. And nobody in any way wants to minimize that or dismiss it. Mm. But also... We don't want to hold on to that pain because we feel like actually like it's something that's a little mark of honor. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to say, oh God, I give this to you. I give this pain to you. And in giving it to God, God might say that you need to take this further. You need to take, you need to speak to someone in authority. You need to speak maybe to a therapist and get some proper professional help. God might say to you, leave it all at the altar. God might say to you, you know, that there are things that you could maybe learn in the situation. But there's also that sense in which you're handing it over to God and you're like not owning it as something that's actually kind of like a bit of a gift to you this pain that you've had from the church and something that you can use in certain situations, but actually sacrifice and hand it over to God. And I know, I don't know who's maybe written that question. I understand that could maybe come from a super painful place. And I understand it could come from a place of feeling really betrayed. But even in amongst all of that, we've still got to come and bring that pain to God and hand it over to him and allow him to help us work through it. Yeah. So you just said <clears throat> you might need to take it to someone in authority. I think you think that's what you said. Or what if the abuse or the hurt has come from someone in authority and it's the worst thing they can do is go and to talk to someone in authority? Very, very true, very good point. I think I would like be wanting to say um, there's always 
there's always room for you to be heard. There's always room for you to be listened to. And even if in the mix of you trying to work it all out, some of the things that you're saying are maybe not completely clean and true, and some of them are true, and some of them are super painful, I think you always got to feel like it's worth somebody hearing. So maybe you can't take it to the person that you would immediately think of taking it to because they're actually the person that's caused it. But I think you can pray and ask God, is there another place? Oh, can yeah. I take it to another place where I can bring this and talk to someone and bring it to a place where somebody in authority can help you? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's is good. That, is that good? It's, it's so, I understand this is such a delicate and a tricky subject. I yeah. hope I've kind of... No, well done. That was, that was a hard question. It wasn't down here. I gave you that one. Oh, <clears throat> bless you. Um, you mentioned professional help. Uh, have you ever had any? And if not, why not? Yeah, yeah. Wow, who'd have thought it was going to turn into this? Yeah, this is like Pastor Steve just going, having heard some of your answers, you need professional help. Yeah, thanks for that, yeah. No, I actually have. Um, when I was talking about the whole thing with the cross uh, after the mission, um, I did actually go and I, I kind of said my whole deal and I, I, I sort of, all my stuff came out. And um, I'm a massive fan of that. I don't think there's Absolutely. anything wrong with that. It's good to get your stuff out. It's good for people to hear it. And it can be messy and it can yeah. feel embarrassing and all of that. But, you know, if I broke my leg, I would not think twice for a second about getting Absolutely. my leg fixed. Yeah. So if stuff's not right here, I, I want to go somewhere where I can get it fixed. Yeah. yeah? So that's cool. Hey, the reason I mentioned that, I knew you got professional help. And sometimes, as I've gone on in ministry, so as many of you know, I'm 173 now, and um, I've discovered that the world's got more complex, and therefore sometimes we do need specialist help. And sometimes you go to your pastors, and that's great, but pastors are a little bit, I think it was J. John who used to say this, we're a little bit like GPs, but sometimes you need a specialist. Yeah, yeah. And, and more and more in our complex world, I would say to people, no, you need to go there and we want to just be able to point you in the right direction. And so it, it's useful. And, and you're absolutely right about the broken leg analogy. So just want to say that, felt to say that to you guys here tonight. Okay, a couple more and we will finish. Um, do you ever get scared of going on stage? Wow. Whoever said that, it's a good question. Because I, I, I'll tell you why it's a good question. I got asked to... Um, uh, what's the word? Um, you know when somebody lets you listen to the sermon? Critique. Oh, critique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I got asked to critique a sermon. And this guy in the intro told the whole congregation that he never gets nervous. His kids had said to him, oh, dad, are you nervous for speaking? And he went, oh, I don't get nervous speaking. And this was like, and then he gave me, well, I had a really good chat with this guy. Because I says, I don't believe in that at all. I totally get nervous. I get nervous before, yeah. um, before the fringe show. I'm like pacing up and down behind stage. I'm absolutely sweating. I like going to the toilet about 55 times. And then when I'm preaching, I also, I was nervous this morning because for me, I, I want to do as best as I can do. I want to bring the best that I can bring. I want to be a, an instrument for the presence of God. Yeah. I never want to get so blasé and so kind of like 
comfortable and used to it that I feel like I can just turn up and do whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I do. I do, I get worried, I get frightened, I get nervous. Good. And then um, obviously you learn ways to kind of like, you know, conceal that. The, the funny thing for what I do is if you go for a big gag at the beginning of an event and it just goes, oh, and like tumbleweed, oh, and then you're like, oh, that next couple of minutes are buttock clenching. <laughs> there's, there's a few questions on here, and I just still want to go down. Quite nice saying the word buttocks to you. <laughs> I don't know why. It just felt nice. I'll move on quickly. <laughs> um, how do you introduce the gospel, Faith, into your stand-up comedy uh, routines? And how, another question, how do you start that routine? You just said about it not working, but you, you always have a plan in your mind how you're going to start. How do you do that and how do you introduce the gospel? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I work, a, I do put a lot of time and energy and effort into like the show. And um, this is just to try and help you. If you're writing stuff or whatever, um, I did the show just before I went up to Scotland. I'd kind of finished it. And I invited a few people. And my son is actually like, I'm doing a master's in comedy script writing. So he was like one of the ones that was in the crowd. And uh, he said to me at the end, he says, oh, dad, that's really funny. Really good. You've done really well. He says, I just need to chat to you about that last bit at the end. And as soon as I said it, I knew, my heart, I knew. He goes, I know. He goes, how, how many, how long do you think that, just that last bit, which is about four minutes, how long do you think you've put into that? And I says, seriously, I think I've put about 40 hours work into that last bit. And he says, yeah, and you, you have to ditch it. You've got to ditch it. It's not any good. It doesn't work. <laughs> And, uh, and I knew what he meant. It was true. And I, had to, I did have to ditch it. He could see what I was trying to do, but it just didn't work. So I had to go back and then do another whole lot of work. So I really work hard. And the thing about like the crowd, you've got to like try and get them laughing within you know, 10, 15 seconds at the most. Mm. You've got to get your first laugh in or you're really sort of like struggling. So I try to work hard on that like first line, get going, get started. And then um, the thing this year I did differently. So normally I weave the gospel message in. So I like talk at the beginning about I'm a big fan of football and I'm a big fan of God. And then I kind of weave it in at other bits. But this year I did it differently. I really wanted to do it differently because last August, basically, um, I was running and I had a little wee and there was blood in my wee, right? Uh -oh. And uh, I had to go to the doctors and the doctors started talking about cancer. And basically I thought I was going to, I thought I was in, it's, it's the end. I'm, I think I'm going to die. And so I wanted to relay the God message in the same way that this had happened. Because my whole show was called Too Close for Comfort. And so, boom, right in the middle, I told the crowd this. And I told them about, like, wow, I'm, what's happening? Am I going to die? I'm facing my own mortality. I'm like, wow. And then I was like, I need to get a few things sorted if I'm going to meet God. I need to get my friendship sorted. I need to get this, that. And then I'm like, wow, I need to make sure that God and me are together. And I really wanted it to be kind of like, whoa, laugh, laugh, laugh. And then, whoa, do you know what I mean? And, then, and I really felt like that worked. And chatting to people in the courtyard after that were not yet Christian and they were chatting to me, they said, we really got that. Just like the doctor saying to you, you might have cancer, was like a complete blast in the face. So in the show was this 
Are you right with God? Have you got yourself sorted with God? Is there space between you and God? And it really worked. So I'm not saying I'm going to do that every time, but the last, that last show, that's how I did it. And uh, it really it went well for me. Last question. And these are great questions, guys. Um, yeah, thanks, everyone. We just can't do them all. Um, what advice would you give to someone who works in a completely secular workplace? How can we evangelize in that context? Oh, well, I love that question because when I was doing one of my evangelism masterclasses, this guy came to me and told me that um, he's a postman. And he goes, oh, he's because we've got another guy on who's another postie and he's a Christian. And I was like, oh, cool, surely that's cool. He went, it's not cool. Because this guy would come in in the morning at like half four or quarter to five in the morning. And what he would do is he would go into a little cupboard and he would just start shouting in tongues. And then he would come out and all the other posties would hear it. And he would come out and he would like zoom in on one person. And he would be like, if you die on your round today, do you know where you will go? And like all the posties would just like run from this guy with the song coming out of the cupboard. Everyone would just like flee. And this guy was genuinely like, oh, what do I do? And I was like, the only thing I could think of was like shoot the Christian dead. Do you know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> the Lord would say, getteth a gun and goeth and shooteth that man and stop him from speaking. No, I couldn't think of anything else to say. And then I thought, mm, murder is maybe not the answer. But I totally get it when, you know, whoever's put that question in, you know, you're in a situation where you can't just like, you know, if you're a nurse, you can't just be like, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. And you, know, you can't do it. You're in, maybe you're a teacher, whatever job that you guys are in. There's so many situations. But there are things that we can do you know, we shouldn't hide behind that because there are things that we can do. We can say to people, um, there are things where we're going to say, you know, um, I'm a Christian and when I'm away from work, I could, is there anything you, you want me to pray about? You could say things that are like gentle. You can work out your situation. And um, I remember when we were doing schoolwork, and this is fantastic, God gave me a prophetic word for someone in the class, in the school, but there's absolutely no way that I can be in this school and say, the Lord your God would say to you this morning, you can't do it, you can't do it. So God gave me this creative way. And what I, this is honestly what I felt. I felt like somebody in the room, genuinely, this is what I said. So I'm doing my lesson and I went, oh, I just want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine if like last night you were in bed and you were so angry at your dad because of the way your dad was treating your mom that you got a weapon from underneath your bed and you were going down the stairs to do your dad some harm because of what he was doing to your mom. But another family member came in and you ran back upstairs and stuck that weapon under the bed. Imagine what that would feel like. And everybody's going, oh, like that and then I move the lesson on and then a lad comes at the end comes to the front can I speak to you for a minute you know when you did that imagine thing that was me last night I did have a weapon I wanted to hurt my dad because he was hurting my mum and then my cousin came in 
and I had to put the weapon away. And we were able to help that situation. And that was God giving me a prophetic word. But I couldn't just get up and say, God says there's somebody here today. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when it comes to like doing evangelism, when it comes to speaking for God, we might have to be imaginative. We might have to be creative in the way that we do it. But there are ways that we can put it out there and we can get that message out there. We cannot just keep on hiding behind the fact of, oh, I'm in a secular workplace. I can't say anything. There are things that we can do. And you've got to kind of size that up for your own circumstance and situation. But have a heart that says, God, how can I creatively bring your message in today that maybe in a way kind of sneaks around some of that stuff that would get us in trouble? Amen. Amen. That's great, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.